I am grateful and excited to do the relaunch of the show with the very first guest, Kirk Patrick Miller, on the Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series. The original show launched October of 2021. Kirk, in real time now, is going into season three of his own podcast with Dr. Jeff Friedman called Chaos to Cured. He's also an educational consultant and listen in to see how much of a shame changer the concept of embracing your neurostyle and beyond has been for him. And I hope it is for all of you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Denise, and this is the Dr. Denise Show. This is the first episode of a new series called Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond. And I'm actually so excited about the first guest. I don't even know where to start, but Kirk Patrick Miller, welcome to this series. And I've known you for years, but just thank you so much for being here today. Oh, it's an honor. And uh, especially with uh, all uh, all that you've done uh, for me and along my journey, it's, it's uh, quite a pleasure to be here. And to be a part of something, I think, um, well, I know is very important to many people. Um, so, uh, yeah, excited to get started. Well, okay. So, everyone, my neurostyle, which I've defined, I've defined the concept. The word neurostyle has been used in many different unique ways. But as an adult and child integrative psychiatrist, I've defined it as we all process and perceive information in our own unique way. And so I was actually thinking about this, Kirk, you know, my neuro style of excitement with doing interviews was you're such a gifted writer and you just had sent me your epilogue and I just read it right before I'm on this, you know, this call in this interview. And everyone, I have to say, I'm actually awestruck. I know that Kirk has a lot of humility, but I'm really awestruck by you and your journey on your path to wellness. So can you tell everyone just a little bit about you? I just, I'm actually everyone, I know if you know me, I'm very talkative, but I'm, I'm in this place of sacred reverence of this moment with Kirk. So I just want to let you know that this is the moment of now. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) Well, I would be happy to. So Um, I, you know, struggled my whole life. Um, and I grew up in a small mountain town and, uh, which was a blessing in a lot of ways because, uh, I got away with a little bit more. They just discounted my behavior as, you know, um, a poorly behaved child, but later on it was, um, discovered and I was diagnosed with a quad diagnosis. So I had bipolar one and uh ocd which is obsessive compulsive disorder um adhd um which is attention deficit or deficit hyperactivity disorder and then generalized anxiety so i was kind of hit with four different things and my life was really in shambles um in a lot of ways because the bipolar one really uh took control away from me in a lot of ways um it did open up unique avenues 
Um, and that's one thing that I do want everybody to know, you know, no matter what you were diagnosed with, that's one reason why I love this world word neurostyle um, is that we all have lots of potential and we can all reach it no matter what we face. A lot of it is just learning about ourselves. And uh, so as I kind of struggled through, you know, my early 20s, um, I wanted to find a way to kind of get past it and overcome it. And um, I was very lucky to find, you know, a great uh, doctor. I had a great psychiatrist. Um, and I started kind of a medical journey of my own um, that led me to um, I the first medically documented case of full remission from bipolar one. And that's now, I think, uh, over 10 years of stability without a swing. Um, so, you know, I think there's, uh, which is one reason I wrote my memoir. Um, I was asked to, and, um, the epilogue that you just wrote, uh, was so fun to write, uh, but I wanted to wait until I had lived, um, long enough with stability that I could speak properly about the differences and, um, what I live like now, um, and, you know, give more meaning to the original story and which ties in, uh, to your, you know, your word neurostyle that you introduced to me years ago was a big catalyst for continued change and continued improvement. Um, so first of all, I just want to thank you for, sharing your journey in your original book that I think you wrote that was published in 2013, correct? Correct. Uh, Chaos to Cured. And I will put a link into our interview that we did about that years ago. And I want to, with humility and gratitude, say that it's such an amazing thing, you know, when we all can inspire one another. So I feel like, you know, you feel inspired by this concept and defined word of you know, and my passion, by the way, everyone, I'm passionate about changing the way we think, talk, and act in mental health and the tips and tools that I do to help my patients because I'm a practicing adult and child integrative psychiatrist with over 40,000 hours of patient hours. I, I see people reach their thrive. And I always talk some of the fundamentals are core essentials to mental well-being which is what you are such a champion of as well. When I just read your epilogue, it reminded me again how excited I was to be on this journey and see you thrive, but also all the ways that we can inspire others to thrive. I like to talk about awareness, self-love, and altruism. And I also want people to remember that life is a series of crisis, stabilization, and thrives depending on your own unique neurostyle and the way you process things in all dimensionals. And when I say that, that's biological, psychological, social, cultural, and spiritual. So I really want to let you know that I just read Hot Off the Press, um, Kirk's epilogue. And one of the things I wanted to say that I loved is that you wrote that you wanted to dedicate your life to helping others, instilling hope, working with medical professions, 
and providing an ear and a voice to those who had yet to break free of the struggles, stigmas, and pains that they could not verbalize. I thought that was an incredible quote from you with like a a resonance. And I just want to like hear your thoughts on that. When you hear your own sentence back to you. It's a lot of times when I write, um, I'll kind of wait for a particular flow. And um, that was one of the rare times where everything just kind of clicked. And um, I think part of the reason um, I want to be able to give back is, you know, I was lucky enough to have individuals that came into my life that, you know, continually inspired me to not give up. And I think it's so easy for us to sometimes um, look at life and look at our current situation and get trapped in the what if of the past or um, the frustration of the situation we're currently in. And sometimes we get a myopic view and you know for me a lot of times i just needed somebody to listen um i needed somebody to kind of hear the suffering i was going through and then i really needed people to help inspire me to understand that the struggles that i was going through are temporary just like you had just mentioned um you know there's different stages that we face in life And all of the um, medical professionals that I had met with um, were all wonderful people and well-intentioned. But a lot of what I heard was I would have to, you know, manage my expectations, Um, maybe, you know, be prepared to not be able to hold, whether it's a relationship, a job. And so throughout my, I guess, therapy career, going to therapists and, you know, um, visiting them, whether they're a psychiatrist or psychologist, a lot of them were really trying to, at least the way I felt, they kind of said, listen, we know you have this and this is going to be a constant struggle. And when I heard that enough times, it was hard to escape that idea. And so I didn't really believe in myself. And so when you brought up the original uh, word, neurostyle, and the word you had created, and you, uh, you know, we had first met on Twitter years ago, and that was the first time I'd heard the word. And I loved the mixture because you have the science on one side, and the word style is a very freeing concept. Um, So it really helped me recognize that, yes, I was struggling, but that didn't mean that my potential had been lessened. So the my ability to create good things for myself and good things for others was not destined to fail. And um, just like, you know, our, our styles change through time, you know, we'll, we'll dress and a different way, uh, maybe the next year, but, and no one criticizes it. So a lot of it, um, helped me realize that I was viewing my diagnoses as my fate. I was kind of viewing them as, 
what I was destined to face for the rest of my life. So this is a good kind of cool pause. I like to say, I want to, I'm listening and I'm hearing you. And as a doctor, when people come to me and they call me up that first call for people to decide that they want to get help, you know, they're usually coming to see someone like myself I'm as a psychiatrist when they're in crisis. And so for me, one of the most important things I can do on that first meeting on the phone and then in person or telehealth is to help someone go through the kind of, in a very quick way, any feeling that they have of lack of hope and any shame they might have for whatever they're experiencing emotionally and how it's affected their life. So when people are coming to me, they're very vulnerable. They might be, you know, not able to keep a job or they might have just lost a relationship, things that we all go through. But the magnitude and the amplitude when someone decides to get help is that it's devastating. And I think one of the most important things that you and I are wanting to accomplish with this very first time we do this particular um, episode is the importance of everyone remembering that you are your own unique person and that you're on your own path. And I really loved the way you, your words, thoughts, and actions, Kirk, are very admirable when I just, you know, I know you, but I wanted to read your epilogue as though I didn't know you. And so I just want you to comment on maybe what it was like the very first time you went to go get some help and maybe some of the feelings you were having and how one of the things we're just so passionate about is, is you and I, from our unique perspectives, helping people to identify their feelings, but then maybe realize that they need to love themselves and have that like infinite radical self-love. Um, so I'd love for you to comment on that, because that to me is one of the most important things for having continued day-to-day happiness, no matter what's thrown at us, no matter if we have a diagnosis or don't have a diagnosis. Absolutely. You know, my first time going to a psychiatrist, you know, I wasn't really even able to fill out, you know, my own forms. So I was going really because, you know, my family, um, you know, really knew I needed help. And um, so I was in a depressed state at the time. So I was really down. And that was pretty much the only time my mom knew that she could maybe get me to go. Um, because during a, an upswing or a mania, I was pretty uncontrollable. So she kind of knew that I was down. She made the appointment and they kind of were able to adjust the schedule. And they took me in and I remember everything from the lobby to getting into the elevator, you know, what floor it was on, what the office looked like, um, and just sitting there, uh, you know, and I was terrified to begin with and going in, um, even though he was really gentle, the fear and the denial of hearing something, especially, um, I was old enough that I had you know, read about different, um, you know, mental struggles that people have or mental wellness. Um, you know, I guess I don't like the word mental illness, 
because um, of of my past. So I prefer, you know, mental wellness. So I was going to wait. Can I just? I have to just interject, everyone. Ding 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 ding. This is another place where Kirk and I are so aligned because for so many years as a doctor, I did the word disorder and the mental illness is like nails on a chalkboard. I wrote that in one of my ADHD blog posts that I wrote back in 2016 when I launched my brand because everyone, I want, I want you to finish this moment, but you have to remember that our words, thoughts, and actions carry a vibrational frequency. So even if you see your doctor, whether it's for asthma, diabetes, or mental health, that is something that you're experiencing those symptoms. And medical science needs to have the linear definition. I champion that, that we have to have an understanding for scientific validation. However, we don't want to land on our symptoms and stay there. We want to have a flight into health and well-being, no matter what type of um, physical, mental, or spiritual ailment we're going through. So I'm going to let you keep going. But the fact that you intuitively knew that mental wellness was more protective and healing and would allow more um, activating healing in your own DNA and your spiritual self, I just want to say, yes. Okay, now keep going. I just want to honor that. Oh, no, I love that. Well, and, you know, um, when he came back with the four diagnoses. And um, I heard the word, you know, bipolar. Um, I was pretty much in denial and also scared. So the fear of, of that. And then, you know, of course, um, I went and I did my own uh, research. And, you know, everything I read um, was pretty terrifying. Um, and a lot of these things are extremely important to go seek help because, you know, we need some guidance through, uh, everyone needs guidance as we go through our journey and finding, you know, somebody great that can help you is paramount to success. I want to just do a, a pause too, because, you know, as a doctor on the front lines, you know, when people are getting the diagnosis of bipolar or other different mental health issues, you know, there is data out there that shows that there is, you know, an estimate between 25 to 60% of individuals with bipolar might think about ending their life or attempt suicide. And, you know, there's 10%, there's these data that you start to read and it's like, right. And so when you go out and read the data, we all, by the way, I love to, one of my dear friends says data is your boyfriend. (laughs) So I love data, but then I think one of the big passions that you and I have for doing this first episode is showing, get the data, but stay in the place of infinite hope and awareness and self-love and tell yourself, I'm going to be the one that's going to get all the right help, Western, Eastern, spiritual, good sleep, nutrition. And so I think that that's one of the things I think you and I want to do with Kathleen and others that we're working with. Kathleen O'Toole, who is a dear, dear um, friend of mine, but also an award-winning, Emmy award-winning journalist, she's working with us to develop um, books and ideas so that when people, before they even walk in the door, there's something that people can read so that you're informed. And I'd love for you to kind of comment on what kind of book or what kind of, what would you have wanted to also see out there? Absolutely. I think what um, they didn't really have in one of the struggles that was uh, 
um, I think everyone kind of faces is that there's not a guidebook for how you're supposed to take in the information that you hear. So when you are given a diagnosis, um, I think it's really important. And that's where that the word neurostyle that you came up with is so vital because it makes you realize that, listen, this is they're using this label because they need to for diagnosing you so that you can get the proper medication and for insurance and all sorts of other purposes. But it doesn't define you. So the label that we are given actually is not really a label. And I think that's really important for people to understand is that it is more of a guidepost. It's telling you, listen, this is kind of like, uh, you know, you could almost relate it in some ways to, you know, horoscopes. So you're a Sagittarius. Well, people then can look into it and see which parts they agree with or don't. But at least once you have that, again, we use the word label, but it's not. It's just something to help give you a, a guiding light to, okay, this is something that I'm is unique about me. And there's strengths in each one of those diagnoses that he gave me. So uh, whether it was OCD, anxiety, or bipolar, there were certain gifts that come with those. Now, there are also some negatives, but that's true of any gift that we have. So having a guide, like a book that says, listen, when you go in, no matter what you hear, you have infinite potential. You can still yes. reach your dreams. Yes, You are um, more than just what you are told you have. Um, I think those are things that are you know, vital to hear so that when people walk in and they are told, listen, you have this, um, they have some of those resources for like, you know, of uh, course. things like cancer or heart of disease, course. but we don't have a lot when it comes to how are we supposed to take this information in? And, you know, I, I actually, what you just said, I don't even want to say, say the name of the organization because they've done so much good, but I think that shift from wellness thinking to illness thinking, it doesn't mean everyone, when I'm hearing you speak and I, the linear language is so precise in the given moment. So if you were to just take one excerpt out of our interview, it wouldn't have the totality. So so what Kirk and I are saying, and I'm going to speak with what I'm saying, is that we are multidimensional beings and the, we all process and perceive things in our own unique way is for all of us, biological, psychological, social, cultural, and energetic. And so you have to remember there's linear understanding of the universe and nonlinear. There's Newtonian and quantum. So we are very complex beings. So we have our... DNA, that's our material DNA. And then we have the power of energy, unseen energy. And so not only if you're suffering with mental health challenges, do you want to get the right professional team of possible Western medicine if it's needed, but you also want to harness the power of belief, the energy, you know, and you are, I want you just to take a pause or I, I don't know if you want to do this, I want to make sure everyone hears what your path from your crisis to stabilization. So step one 
would be having an acceptance and not having stigma, correct? What what do you think? Absolutely. I think before we can really find our footing, and and that's a good way to describe how I felt um, after my very first diagnosis, um, because I didn't feel like there was it was like the ground was pulled out from underneath me and I couldn't find how to, to land. So it was like a free fall. And when we are, before we can kind of capture, um, the ground and, and land, um, before we can even walk, we have to first understand that we are more than, we realize, and there are so many different things that we need to appreciate about each ourselves. So before we can kind of move on, we have to go, okay, so this was what was told to me, but I'm more than that. And I have the ability to overcome. And I think the moment you accept who you are and you then it's kind of the first step to going, okay, now I can love that person. And once we love who we are, then all of a sudden the path becomes a little stiffer and we can find like that first step to go, okay, now we can start healing because we've accepted and we still love the person we are with all of our faults and all of our strengths because you never have only one. You always have both. So I think it's really important. I know that the way the human mind works, we love seeing like the befores and the afters and someone's crisis and then their thrive. And so I just want to say, I feel incredibly blessed as a doctor after all these years to have hope. So when someone calls me on the phone and I hear that they might be experiencing, you know, a heroin addiction, suicidality, um, substance use, I have in my mind's eye people that I've helped go from crisis to thrive that are now, you know, fully enjoying life or, you know, some people are celebrities, some people are celebrities in the classroom teaching celebrities as parents, um, having a fulfilling life that's based on their particular joy and happiness. So I'm wondering if I know we want, you and I are so passionate about changing the way we talk about mental health, but I feel like you were the very first person in this series for me that came to mind because you're walking living proof. And also it's kind of neat, you know, that I know you in a way, like I have some people in my practice that actually I've known for years that want to be on the, this series as well. But I thought it was really cool that you and I met in our own unique way that was via social media. So can you tell people maybe a bit of your, uh, your real before and after like crisis stabilization thrive for Kirk. And I know we can do a deeper dive in another episode, but I think it might be really nice for hope because, you know, when you hear a show, you're like, well, what did Kirk go through and how did he get it? And, and I know it's the magnitude. We're going to put links back to your books so they can do deeper dives and our other show, but could you just share that with everyone, how you see your arc of crisis to thrive and then with humility, how you stay in that stability and thrive that we can all kind of go back and forth with? Yes. Well, you know, um, to, to summarize um, in some ways, my my crisis, uh, you know, was just life in general. Um, 
I felt very hopeless at a lot of times. And there was a lot of, um, you know, extreme depression. So I was bad enough that um, I was catatonic. So I would be unable to move. Um, I couldn't hold a job. I was unable to even kind of get out of bed at times. And um, on top of that, there were, of course, the manias where I would uh, kind of explode. I would lose relationships. Um, can I can I quote you right now at this point? Because yes. it's really exactly the, so. I just read. So basically, this is a quote from your epilogue. I needed with great and continual effort to rewire. We need to rewire our own minds. This is something I needed in order to overcome the many trials I faced after coming out of the coma bipolar had left me with. I use the aforementioned sentence with clear intent. Some people view my recovery with rose-colored glasses, but make no mistake. I awoke to a world that didn't accept me. I had no potent degree to jump into a high-earning career. I felt old, and at the same time, I felt immature and in need of life experience. I also found relationships of all kinds, both beautiful and at times bewildering. That is um, definitely, you know, when I went from uh, struggling to finding a treatment method that worked for me, uh, which is a long process for a lot of people. And for me, it was uh, quite a long journey. And when suddenly I was um, stable and suddenly the bipolar wasn't um, the factor that it used to be, um, I really, the whole world was so different. And I had kind of already figured out how to live with, you know, the struggles I was going through. Without those struggles, it was really confusing. And one of the uh, things that I had um, started reading about was neuroplasticity. So the ability to kind of rewire how we think. And um, it tied right in. And then it was uh, right around the same time as, you know, uh, interacting and connecting with you. And when you, when you introduced, you know, some of your concepts and definitely neurostyle, but the self-acceptance, the love, um, those kind of things really resonated with me and helped me understand that um, it's okay, even after I was done with everything, part of our journey, part of the most wonderful things that we face are some of those struggles. Um, struggles are not inherently bad. A lot of times they give us the ability to look inwards and understand who we are and also where we want to go. And I think the moment I realized that I wanted to help others get a, the same second chance I was given, my whole life changed because my instead of it being about me, it was it was about okay so i'm here and i know i have some struggles but i can help others and the moment i think i changed 
how I perceived my purpose, it also helped me define who I wanted to be. So once I knew how I wanted to live my life, I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to be kind. I did not want to harm others. That really helped me start going, okay, what actions do I need to take? So once I had a clearly defined idea, then I could actually start, you know, if you want to think of it, um, like, you know, you're, you have this big jungle in front of you. Once you figure out the direction you want to go, you can start clearing your path so you can walk that way. And once I started kind of moving forward, each step got a little bit easier. And every time my foot landed solidly and I realized, okay, the potential's not gone. It's still there. And it took me years to even be able to believe in myself. And that is something that um, I don't want other people to have to wait years to recognize. The potential is always there. Yes. So first of all, I think it's so important, you know, you and I know what the word neuroplasticity is. So I just want to pause and just define that. And then I want to just tag off what you just said. So neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to form and reorganize synaptic connections, especially in response to learning or experience or falling injury. And so when Kirk was mentioning that, he realized the power of his own behaviors, thoughts, actions, Western, Eastern nutrition, out-of-the-box solutions to his own unique wellness strategy. And the other word in, uh, that comes to mind with that is the power of epigenetics. And epigenetics, sort of, we think of Bruce Lipton when we think of that, because I want to honor people. And what epigenetics is, is the study of cellular and physiological traits or the external environmental factors that turn genes on or off and in turn define your optimal well being. I just added that because I couldn't find the rest. So I just want to say, everyone, one of the things to remember is if you're, whether you're being diagnosed with bipolar, ADHD, you're having hypertension, um, you know, diabetes, alcoholism, any sort of health or mental, or also if you're going through a relationship, but you don't, if let's say you don't have a diagnosis and you're going through a tough time. Um, I loved what you just said, Kirk, about the suffering you know, we talk about crisis, stabilization, and thrive. And crisis, the time when we're all going through suffering, is the time where there's this infinite amount of energy that can be utilized if we're aware of that. It doesn't mean we still aren't sad. It doesn't mean it's still not hard to get out of bed, like you mentioned. Or let's say you're having something, but you can be aware and like be a mindful participant and almost be like an observer of your own life. And tell yourself, okay, I might be feeling this way. So this is like cognitively saying, this is how I'm feeling. Okay, so what can I do with that energy? And I feel like, would you agree that recently, I know you're a very gifted, very articulate, a musician, an artist, an author, a visionary. You've come up with your own unique ways to stay in remission. And we'll we'll put a link to that. But would you say that recently you've accessed like another new level of awareness of hope and inspiration? Absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, when we talk uh, about uh, and uh, 
right before I get to that, one of my favorite analogies I like to use for people when they ask like, what is neuroplasticity? Um, I like to use like, if you think of an old horse and cart buggy going down like a mud path, you know, every time that cart goes down the same path, the, the, you know, the ruts from the wheels get deeper. And so it's harder to kind of turn off and take a different direction. But every time we make the turn towards say a positive direction, um, those ruts get easier and it actually becomes harder to go towards the negative. So a lot of that is, um, to me, very important. And that helped me actually recognize that, um, you know, I recently and over the last like three or four years, I just felt certain things kind of clicking into place and it's been hard to recognize that um, even to this day that I was, I could bet on myself. I could believe in myself. And the moment I did that, and that was really fairly recently, you know, in the last, cause I, it, a lot of people asked me to write the epilogue um, years ago and I couldn't, um, I wanted to wait. I wanted to make sure that what I had written in my memoir, I could back up not only with words, but with actions and something people could see. So for me, it was kind of a new awakening just in the last year, really starting to believe that, listen, I can do what I want to. And um, it doesn't mean that we're always going to reach our destination and um, we never want to put a time frame on how fast we get to where we want to go, but it does mean we can definitely try and we can succeed to a massive degree. And that is something that I have felt, um, and an awakening, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to even state the word or how I feel. I'm very appreciative of the life I live both the um, the struggles I went through helped shape the person I wanted to become. And each, each day, each year gives me another chance to become a better version of who I want to be. And that's another reason I love the word neurostyle because it's so open-ended we can continue to improve our style. We can continue to improve our mind. Um, and you know, you know what you're saying right now. My um, my doctor Denise Banner is seven DNA strands that are unraveling in a way that looks ethereal, and that was with strategic intention in my branding to set the message that we have the power to unlock our own optimal well-being at any given moment of time. And, and by the way, the only un, my understanding of the universe is the only moment we have is right now. So there's a series of moments of right now. And I just want to sort of finish up with celebrating your recent, I know that if it were me talking about my awards, isn't my favorite thing to do, but to me, your stabilization and now your thrive with the amplitudes of the mood swings and the paralyzing depressions that you used to have, I read in your epilogue all the accolades of this year. I mean, you've 
you've had, I just want to say, you know, I believe creativity fuels the soul and that many of the most gifted and intelligent people that I've ever come across in my practice that I can say from all my years have ADHD. They might have OCD. They might have mood or bipolar, but it's a man. You don't want to just focus on the sexiness factor of all the high achievers. There's still the struggle. So could you just share with everyone your current thrive that you're experiencing as a modality of hope for others? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, everything kind of happened all at once. So between, um, you know, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you're, it's when you approach life and from a healing perspective, there are so many different directions. And um, there's, of course, you know, seeking help and finding um, an ear that can hear you and understand you and help you understand yourself. Then there's, you know, um, staying, you know, healthy. Uh, so working out was always a passion of mine. And I did struggle with weight and stuff like that because of medications. Um, so this year, you know, I was uh, came in second place for Mr. Health and Fitness that was sponsored by the Muscle and Fitness magazine, which was, that was super <laughs> fun. And I was really excited because I I loved reading that magazine as a child. So that was like completely surreal. And then um, one of the the memoir I wrote is currently up for the Elite Author Awards uh, for 2021. And, um, you know, things are slowly starting to kind of click. And even with um, painting um, my art and uh my teaching so i teach violin and all of my students are succeeding and right before uh covid um you know i had uh, all all of my students who competed at the state level all placed which is really amazing and <laughs> yeah, I was, and even through the pandemic um i was able to stay calm stay um in my place where um you know it was a struggle for everyone and it was not easy but even with that my success continued and i think a lot of that is because i was first of all willing to accept it i think mm -hmm. we, we also have to be able to say listen i'm ready for success and i believe i first of all deserve it and what I want to do with that success is help others. I think there's a key part to, you know, um, the the pure intentions are so vital. Yes. If Can, we are, yeah, wait, go ahead. Wait, wait, wait. I actually, I can't believe you just said that. This is like the magic of knowing you. I literally just read a part of your epilogue that I, that I thought was going to come up from a kind of intuitive standpoint, um, you put something amazing about, I want to make sure I find it. Hold on one second. Yay. I found it. Cause I was in my notes. It wasn't just people that felt my change. My dogs, this is from your epilogue. My dogs instantly felt the change in energy. 
my dogs instantly felt the change in the energy I carried with each step. I had always understood animals more than people, mostly because they never hide their intent. The openness and honesty of communication between animals was something I aspired to duplicate in the human experience. Although it felt often, the more honest I was with myself and those I loved and cared for, da, 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 da. This is, you can finish the sentence. I mean, you were talking about the purity of intention and what my understanding is words, thoughts, and actions in alignment with hope, with awareness, with acceptance. And, and even on your toughest days, like being humble, that it's okay to not always feel great. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, there are days when everyone is going to have a rough day. And um, what happens is I think once we start realizing that we're trying to do our very best, and we can also give that same kindness that we want to give to others to ourself. So giving ourselves grace and being kind to ourselves when we are having a hard day actually makes it a little bit easier to step out of it. And being able to turn around a day is so vital because there are some moments where we sit and we feel, whether it's hopeless, whether we feel like, you know, and we get lost and we get outside of the moment and we're thinking the future of the past and everything starts to kind of tumble and our mind goes off in all sorts of different directions. And once we can kind of take a deep breath and go, listen, I, I can get this moment and what I can do is I can take a deep breath I can remember my purpose. I can remember who I am, what I've overcome. And most everyone, well, everyone I've ever met has overcome something amazing. Um, Kirk, Kirk, because you just said a lot, I want to sort of summarize. So everyone, when we're in the space of awareness, self-love and altruism, that's the foundation that I spoke about in India when I was talking about nurturing children's mental health at the Dalai Lama's Body Mind Life Conference, and you've just eloquently described that so many times throughout this interview, that awareness of actually how you're feeling. And then you have to make the choice for self-love, everyone. This is for all of us. And for, for I like to think of everything when you stay neutral, that all the different tools of the toolbox can be part of your unique wellness path which may or may not include Western medicine. I'm, I'm a Western medicine board certified adult and child psychiatrist, but I'm also um, intuitive. I'm a believer in holistic health and I integrate the power of anti-inflammation nutrition, exercise is mind medicine, sleep is crucial. It's an important to give back, whether it's a smile to your neighbor or doing shows and offering education or being a philanthropist, altruism, once we're in the space of stability, the ability to serve others is incredibly important. Time in nature is really important. Being creative. I feel like when you're creative, you're reaching your highest level of being your own best friend and your own happiness. And so I feel like if there's any other things you want to add to that right as we end here, because we're going to do many more um, events and things, but is there anything else you want to add regarding hope? and acceptance for everyone as we finish up? 
Absolutely. I think one of the most amazing things is that, you know, it's starting to be more accepting to um, understand that it's okay to, to utilize medication to help. Um, and there is a lot of stigma that on taking medications, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of seeking help. But each time we utilize, as you so elegantly stated, um, when we look at this, um, we never want to look at it from a linear perspective. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. Um, You said the toolbox, right? So there's so many different tools. So we can use a medication to help us really kind of get to a place where we need to be, where we can be more open to a secondary tool. And I actually really um, love the toolbox analogy because you can keep adding tools to that. Yes. Each time you find something. You're taking you, some away. Some tools exactly. are like no longer needed. You're like, yeah, one, you're, you're... <laughs> one's a little dull. So, you, you know, okay, this one may be a little rusty. We'll set it to the side. We'll replace it with something new. And so, I think for anyone that's out there, whatever you're facing, when you can truly love the person you are and you can look at where you want to go um, and decide that that's the way you want to move, once you can kind of do that, then it's a, just a matter of continually working at it, never giving up on yourself. Correct. Never giving up on other people, even people that you might not um, like or get along with. There's always beauty in whatever experience we're going through. And the more we can focus on what's good in life, what's beautiful in life, what what we can do to enhance it, the easier it is to see it. And Kirk, since I know that you and I just covered so much, but I feel like this is such an important first show, when you're talking about that, you know, we talked about awareness and hope and these concepts. And to me, life is the meditation when you're in the moment of now. And we we hear the word meditation and mindful awareness, but using all these different tools allows us to enjoy the moment. And I think this might be a very incredible way to finish the interview with that I always talk about gratitude as my secret sauce. And when we have certain feeling states, of gratitude of what everything that is going right or acceptance. So even in that moment where maybe you're sad, you lost your job, or maybe you had a relapse with a substance use, or today is a day where you're having more depression or anxiety, you can call upon all the people that love you in your life and all your own self-love and have that awareness that the only moment you have is now and have gratitude. So I know you have so much gratitude, Kirk. Are there some, I know that there's so many special mentions of people in your life and maybe you could write something up so we don't not include anyone, but is there any special things you want to say about the vibrational frequency of gratitude to allow you to have the highest level of hope? I think that um, seeing gratitude and being thankful for each and every moment and each and every person we meet because Um, All of my positive, all of my negative experiences have all helped me understand myself better. 
So my gratitude is um, pretty much endless is how I would. <laughs> I love that. So we're, we're going to end with infinite gratitude. Absolutely. Right. Okay. That's a great place to. So Kirk, where can everyone find you? So I use the um, pretty much all of my social media handles are the same, which is uh, the at symbol and then chaos and then the number two and then cured. So chaos two cured, but with the number two. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And um, it's anyone that wants to reach out to me can certainly always do so. I'm always there to help if I can. And, you know, if someone is just trying to look for even that glimmer of hope, um, I hope they understand, you know, that if I was able to overcome all of those different things, um, any person can. And, and that's the key part is that we're all, we're all capable of beautiful and wonderful things. And that is the most, that's the most vital message that, um, I could possibly leave. And, um, thank you for all you have done for me. The word really helped set me free. And it also gave me a lot better perspective on how I should view myself. So to you as well. Well, Thank you, Kirk. You inspire me and all of, I want to also give a shout out to anyone that's been on my path, whether you're in my practice and even those, like you said, where you've had some tough times, I I just have gratitude. So Kirk, thank you for being here at this moment in time with this interview and for all that you're doing. And I know you have students to go teach and um, thank you, everyone. Thank you. We're going to be having a whole series on embrace your neuro style. Yay. <laughs> I love it.